Revelation chapter 1, Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, Revelation chapter 1, amen. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Revelation 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. Verse 3, blessed, say it out loud with me, blessed is he that readeth and he that they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein for the time is at hand. It's time to read It's time to hear, and it's time to keep. I want to preach with the help of the Lord. Read, hear, and keep. Somebody say that with me. Read, hear, and keep. Now, Lord, we ask you, Lord, to anoint your word to our hearts. We know it's anointed. Help us to receive it anointed right now in the name of Jesus. I pray, Lord, that you would do what your word said you've come to do to throw the cloak off of us today, the heaviness that's on us today. In the name of Jesus, and I'm believing you for it right now, in Jesus' name. And let's give the Lord one more hand clap of praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God bless you. You can be seated in the name of the Lord. I want my life to be blessed. I want my life to be blessed. I want my life to be a blessing. Now, blessed means characterized by happiness. Characterized by happiness and being highly favored. The sense of the Greek word means to be happy because you are Highly favored, blessed. Turn your neighbor and tell them you're blessed today. Remember, you are highly favored this morning. You ought to be happy about it. I'm happy because I'm highly favored. I believe the Lord wants us to understand this today. This is why he led me to these verses this morning that says, blessed or happy because you're favored is he that reads, hears, and keeps. Somebody say amen. Amen. The words of this book. Everybody say revelation. The book of revelation is not to be feared. It's not to make you worrisome, anxious, or scared. It's to give you great hope and great happiness. Because it is Jesus showing you how highly favored you are. Blessed if you read it, blessed if you hear it, and blessed if you keep it. You'll be happy if you read it, you'll be happy to hear it, and you'll be happy if you keep it. I'm glad to be in church with God's people because we are a happy people. Yes, we are. In spite of how we feel today, we are blessed. God is good. In spite of the circumstances, He is still on the throne. So let's talk about the book of Revelation. God Uh, gives John this revelation in about 90 A.D. Here we are in the middle, right in the middle of 2017. In the day revelation was given, the church had just been organized. Today, it's about to be evacuated. Somebody say amen. I'm glad to be in this hour. Somebody say amen. I believe I have biblical proof 
that we, and, and you've heard this before, and, and we heard it again at camp meeting. Brother Irvin Baxter did a great job. But uh, I, I believe I have biblical proof that we are awaiting the sixth trumpet of the book of Revelation. And that means that the fifth trumpet is a key of a bottomless pit is unlocked. And there is an attack that comes forth from that bottomless pit like never before. And it, it is given, it is a horde of locusts, John sees. And they are told, don't mess with the grass. Don't mess with the trees. Don't mess with any flowers. Your sole uh, purpose is to torment those that do not have the seal of God upon them. I am so glad I've got the Holy Ghost. And I don't know about you, but my purpose in this service today is to get refilled with it, to get full and bubbling over with it, because it is the thing that keeps the spiritual onslaught from entering my home, my mind, my heart, my thinking, and my spirit. Oh, so somebody give the Lord a good hand clap today because your hope is in Jesus. We are in an hour of spiritual onslaught. Amen. And if you don't stay prayed up, your mind's going to get challenged. Your thinking's going to get twisted. Your faith is going to get weak. And you'll begin to doubt. But I pray today, with the help of the Word of God and this service and the Spirit, that somebody could say, you know, now is my most finest hour. It's my most finest moment to worship, to have faith and to believe. We've come this far by faith. The book reminds every believer and every skeptic that the church belongs to Jesus Christ. The message comes through loud and clear. Who is the leader and who has never left in doubt who is leading the book of Revelation and the church of the living God? John lets everybody know that it's his church. And regardless of the attempts of the enemy to destroy it, God is in control. Thank you. So amid the vortex, the alarm, the failure, the judgment, and all the whirlwinds that go on in the book of Revelation, one thing comes shining through, that the church is the Lord's and it will not be defeated. No, I want you to hear me today because faith comes by hearing. So I don't know what happened to you this week to throw on a cloak of despair or discouragement, but God sent your pastor to this pulpit to tell you that he's still in control, that the throne is not in danger, that it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. I'm here to tell somebody just keep on keeping on. Just keep on believing. Don't let your faith be robbed from you. Oh, come on, some saint of God, worship him. Now is your salvation nearer than when you first believed. God's throne is not in danger. What remains as the stumbling world system crashes to a close, is almost too wonderful for us to even imagine. An entire planet in the book of Revelation enters into convulsions, but Jesus Christ is still on the throne. A dying world system looks at every, we read it on every page. The image and the, be, the beast, the false prophet, and that old dragon, Lucifer, that system is dying. But those that are aligned with Jesus Christ, they are not going to be hurt, they are not going to be hindered, and they will not be moved. That's the hour we are in. So you will be blessed if you read. You'll be blessed if you hear. And you'll be blessed if you keep. That means do not allow it to slip from your mind. The word read means, it doesn't just mean read it. The, the sense of the word here in Revelation chapter 1 verse 3 is to say out loud something that is written. That means more than just read it and fall asleep uh, in your bed. That means say it out loud. 
tell yourself what you read in the back of the book. Say it to yourself. I am more than a conqueror. Jesus is on the throne. The devil's gonna make one last effort, but the church is gonna make it. I'm gonna make it. Some of you need to tell yourself, I'm gonna make it. I'm not quitting. Oh, clap your hands unto the Lord. To hear it. Everybody say to hear it. Well, we know what that means. That means not just listen. That means to hear with intention. I'd like somebody to be intentional about this sermon today. Well, the word says, blessed are those who say it out loud, something that's written with intention. And then the word says, keep. Blessed is he that reads, hears, and keeps. The word keep means to conform one's actions, to conform one's actions or practice to. That means if that book says we are winners, we ought to act like winners. That says if I'm more than a conqueror, then I ought to act like I'm more than a conqueror. Oh, somebody say praise the Lord. Turn your neighbor, and I want you to ask them right now. I want you to ask them, what am I acting like right now? What am I acting like? What am I saying to you right now? Am I saying to you that I'm victorious? Am I saying to you that I believe Jesus has it in control? What am I testifying to here today? I don't care how bad it gets. The planet enters into a time of great convulsion, but Jesus' throne is not moved. This should comfort God's people. How many need comfort today? 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 16 For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord for this reason comfort one another with these words We're leaving here. We're getting out of here. We're about to meet Jesus. Oh, I wish that'd get a hold of some of you. It won't be long, your job will be over. It won't be long, your doctor appointment won't matter. Jesus is coming back. You will be blessed if you read it out loud. He's coming back. He's throwing the devil in the lake of fire. We're going to rule and reign with him. Turn your neighbor and tell him, I want to act like a king today. Quit acting like a pauper. You're not a pauper. You're a king. Well, that went over real good. So let me move to a few points I want to make. Uh, The first one would be, it, what happened in the book of John, uh, book of Revelation, shouldn't have happened to John. John was the heartbeat of the fellowship. The other disciples had been martyred, and there was an onslaught against the believers that would not stop. They were killing believers by the thousands. In fact, when they tried to kill them and stamp them out, it only further spread the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, John, he wasn't killed, but he was banished on the isle called Patmos. And John found himself on this Sunday morning, on the Lord's Day, inside the maximum security prison at the eastern end of the empire. John was condemned into the labor, the the mines, which was a labor camp on the island called Patmos. Into Patmos flowed the drainage of a decadent society from Rome. Everything foul and evil. Look at the 
the empire of Rome and how evil it was. Imagine the worst of that society on that island. That's where John was. John was an elder of the church. He was loved by the believers of his day. Rightfully, he should have been in some church service on this Sunday morning in Ephesus or somewhere else. But John wasn't there. He couldn't control his circumstances, but his circumstances were not gonna control him. No, you didn't hear me. I said that old believer said, I can't be where I want to be, but I'm not going to let where I want to be hinder my worship unto the Lord. My circumstances. The Holy Ghost was in control, obviously. Turn to your neighbor and tell them God is in control. Tell them again, God is in control. Don't you ever forget that. Revelation 1 and 9. I, John, also, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ. I was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. I want to tell you, if you're going to get something from God today, it's not because they sing your favorite song or they play the right chord or we hit the click track just right or the preacher has it all packaged perfect. No, you're going to have to climb out of where you are and get in a spiritual realm and say, Lord, i got to hear your voice today. I'm going to get in the spirit. I know what I see on the natural realm doesn't make sense, but take me to a place where I can hear your voice. Take me to that place. John was there for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. He didn't deserve to be there, but he was there. Let me say something to you today. You don't deserve where you are either. And you can either let it kill you and stomp you out or you can rise above where you're at. Come on, you can throw off that cloak of despair and say, you know what? Why should I be downtrodden? Why should I be fearful? Why should I be worried? Second thing I want to say to you in this sermon is that your adversary, and I hope you understand who he is, he's the devil. It's not the church, the preacher, the saint beside you, or your neighbors, or the government, or Trump, or Putin, or anybody else. Your adversary is the devil, and the devil has a theology. We find it in the book of Job. So don't ever forget that your enemy believes that your praise is connected to a place. And it's your job to show him that he's a liar. The devil believes that as long as you're blessed, you'll praise God. As long as everything you want happens in your life, you'll come to church and worship. But the minute you don't get your way and the minute something happens you don't understand, the devil thinks you're going to get discouraged, quit church, backslide, walk away. But I got something to tell the devil today. My praise is not connected to where I'm living. Come on, lose your job? Praise him. The doctor tell you you're sick? Praise him. Praise him anyway. Praise him when you don't feel like it. Praise him when you don't understand why. I wish you would right now. Praise him. See, Satan's theology we find in the book of Job that people serve God because God blesses them. Take your blessings and they'll curse you to your face. As long as they are in the place of blessing, they will serve you. John found himself in a strange place. No other church members around. Nobody calling for the house of God to enter into worship. No prayer room to pray in before church. Patmos was a discouraging situation. But John did not let where he was. Somebody say amen. 
heard somebody say, well, I, my wife was saying this, we were talking about it, somebody said, well, it's just hard to worship when all this stuff is going on. And, and, and Cheryl said, well, I, I, just, I just don't think people understand that that's why I worship. I don't worship because nothing's going on. The reason I worship is because there are impossibilities that Jesus is the only answer. We don't wait for it. Don't wait till the battle's over. You need to shout now. Come on. You need to get that cloak off of you that says I have no right to worship. I'm discouraged today. Oh, the Lord is good, and he's always good, and he's going to bless me, and he's going to keep me, and he loves me. Oh, clap your hands to the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Patmos, Patmos was there to crush all the praise out of John. Patmos was there to get him so discouraged he would never see anything to rob him of his faith. But John did not let Patmos destroy his opportunity to be in the presence of God. That's why only he, he could only in that place, that's why he could place so much emphasis on the overcomer. Listen, he's in a terrible place. There's nobody around him that's encouraging him. But look at Revelation 2 and 11. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt. John's saying, I don't have anybody saying amen, but I'm going to preach it anyway. Come on, you can be an overcomer. I'm in a terrible situation. I don't know if I'll live through it. But he that overcomes is not going to be hurt. I'm going to keep on keeping on. I'm not stopping. I'm not quitting. I'm going forward. Revelation 2 and 26. Just 50, a few verses later. And he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. Did you hear that? Wow. Made an impression on you, didn't it? That says if you make it, God's going to give you power over nations. Overcomers are going to rule nations. So I'm not going to be silent today. God's getting every one of us ready. If you can make it through your Patmos, he's going to give you power. Come on. If in the middle of your situation, you can say, I'm going to get in the presence of God. I'm not going to charge him foolishly. I want to be an overcomer. John knew by experience that it could be done. It could be done. His secret, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. The last thing I want to mention, the last thing I want to mention today is that Patmos is the place for a new revelation. You've never seen Jesus like you should see him now. Anybody hear what I'm saying? You should see Jesus totally different in this situation than you did before you went into that situation. Somebody say amen. Patmos is the place for a new revelation. Your problem is an opportunity for you to see Jesus in a way you haven't ever seen him before. See, all we can see is what we didn't get. All we can see is why would God put me here? All we can see is why would God let me go through this? You're missing the point. You were on Patmos so that you could see Jesus like you've never seen him before. Yeah. In fact, John had known Jesus almost all of his life. He was called a son of thunder, but he needed a revelation. John knows the man he followed to the cross 
and he knows the man he followed to the tomb and he knows the man he saw leave from the Mount of Olives. He sees an uninterrupted trail of victory. He knows that Jesus has won the victory. He had felt the very heartbeat of Jesus when Jesus said, Learn of me, for I am meek and lowly. He had witnessed anger as Jesus cleansed the temple. He had heard the scorn for those he called whited sepulchers and blind leading the blind, religious robots. He had seen mercy firsthand when he heard Jesus say, Neither do I condemn thee, go and sin no more. He understood the shepherd, his passion for the lost and the misled. John knew that the veil of the temple had been torn in two. Jesus was a living testimony that heaven was far more powerful than the arm of Rome. John knew that one angel sat on a stone by an empty tomb where a battalion of Caesar's best soldiers had guarded that dead man, but they couldn't keep him in there. John knew all of that. What do you know about Jesus today? Does it stir you at all? John knew all of that. Does it encourage you to know that Jesus is a healer even when he doesn't heal you? But John, knowing all of this, he goes to Patmos with this thundering in his soul. He says in verse 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave unto him. I wouldn't have got this sitting in Ephesus. I wouldn't have got this going to the library. I wouldn't have got this just reading a few verses. I had to get somewhere where God could show me. So Say, I'm not sure, right there. You say, I'm not sure, pastor, why I'm going through what I'm going through. Well, maybe you find your answer today. Jesus wants to show you something about him that you've never seen before. Isn't this exactly what happened to Abraham when he journeyed that evidently difficult walk of faith up one side of Moriah there to offer his son? You're never going to see Jehovah Rapha, the God, or Jehovah Jireh, the God that provides until you get to the place of sacrifice and say, I don't know why I'm here and I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm believing God to make a way. And when you get to that place, you'll find him to be a provider. You'll find him to be a helper. So, did it happen to John? Absolutely. Verse 12, I was in this place for a great revelation. I thought I knew him. (laughs) I thought I knew him. I'd lived with him. I'd seen what he did. But I didn't know this. Verse 12, I heard a voice and being turned to see the voice that spake with me. And and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one likened to the Son of Man. Oh, I recognize him. But he's got different clothes on now. He's clothed with a garment down to the foot. Girt with a paps, around the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow. And his eyes were as a flame of fire. And his feet likened to fine brass as if they burned in a furnace. And his voice was like the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance was as the sun shining in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me saying, What do we need to hear in this moment? This is it. Fear not. Jesus says, fear not. I am the first and I am the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys. 
I have the keys. Oh, I don't know about you, but I'm glad to be in church today because I need to hear Jesus say, fear not, I'm on the throne. Somebody accept that right now? Somebody believe that right now? Somebody worship him right now? Oh, come on, that's, that's not enough. Come on, that's not enough. That's not near enough for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Oh, hallelujah. To miss this, to miss this, you miss the point of your Patmos. You miss the entire theme of the last book of your Bible, which says you'll be blessed if you read it, hear it, and keep it. Only God can give you this revelation, but you have to be in the right place. There's no hope whatsoever for any opposition to Jesus Christ. This is why the last book of your Bible sounds different from the fourth gospel that bears John's name. It had been almost half a century since John had seen Jesus, yet his Lord is more powerful than he had ever seen him. He's more powerful at this moment than he was when he left here. He's got on his his stars and his battle gear. He's got his sword and his girdle for battle. And John is thrilled when he sees him. He said, I got a revelation. The man that laid on his chest at the last supper said, I got a revelation. He's on the throne. He's in control. This is not a dream or a nightmare. It's a revelation. Count on it. The believer will have his day. I want you to know right now my faith is not in vain. I know that. Some will worship him. It's going to make some of you mad, but that's okay. It makes Pharisees mad when somebody worships God. They get upset. It's going to make some of you mad because you're just into doing things with your heart not in it. But I've come to church today to worship God because I'm going to have my day. I'm going to have my day. Revelation 17 and 14. Here's my day. Revelation 17, 14. These shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them. For he is Lord of lords and King of kings. And they that are with him are called, chosen, and faithful. Oh, I'm going to have my day. Come on, I may have to battle now, but it won't be long. The battle will be over. And the called and the chosen and the faithful, they'll be there. They'll be there. Oh, Jesus, help me. Help me, Lord. Help this church, Lord to get a hold of what I'm preaching today. It's not okay for you just to come to church when everything's going good. It's not okay for you to pray and get all bent out of shape spiritually when you got a job, uh, you lost your job. It's not okay for you just to come to prayer meeting when when, when the doctor tells you you got an incurable disease. It's not okay for you just to get on fire when your kids are discouraged. No, you need to live faithful. I guess some of you probably could imagine, but I hate to bring a personal reference, but I want to tell you folks, our worship is not predicated on where we're at. One of the hardest sermons I ever preached was the Sunday after they found my dad, my dad dead in his, on his kitchen floor. How do you rise up and open the Bible and preach to people about God being good and faithful and right? 
Come on, it's not okay for when everything's going right for you to quote verses and then when things that happen you don't understand, you don't have one ounce of worship in your heart. God, give us a church that knows how to worship you in the good times and in the bad times. Oh, I'm gonna worship him today because he's good. I'm gonna have my day. They're gonna make war with the lamb, but he shall overcome them. And those that are with him are called, chosen, and faithful. I don't know what you came to do, but I came to praise the Lord. I wanna tell you there is no future in rebellion. You are on the wrong side. They shall make war with him, but he shall overcome them. There is no future on the other side. Jesus wants all of us who walk by faith to have this revelation. There is astonishing faith and absolute assurance in this last book of your Bible. Blessed is he that reads, hears, and keeps. Satan is bound. The city of God descends like a bride. Healing is the rule of the day. Evil is overthrown. The heroes of faith are vindicated. Subversion is brought to trial. No wonder there is a special blessing provided and assured to all who read this last book of the Bible. Nothing that has ever been written can uplift the child of God like reading the back of the book. We win. Come on to the music. I hesitate to say I'm closing, but I'm about to do something. How was Jesus preached in the first century? How was Jesus preached in the first century? It's amazing because I keep hearing those first century believers keep saying, He is Alpha Omega, beginning and the end, the first and the last. It is a total immersion that Jesus is our everything. They could not trust in anything else. Jesus was everything. He's beginning and the end, the first and the last, Alpha and Omega. They preached Jesus that way, sitting on the throne, the center of all things, the lamb in the midst of the throne. That's who he is today. He still is today. Even though this generation is distracted, he is still on the throne. We used to sing the song, take this whole world, but give me Jesus. Well, I don't know if this generation can sing that. But I've come to tell you, he is the first and the last. He is the beginning and the end. He is the keeper of creation and the creator of everything. He's the architect of the universe and the manager of all time. He always was, he always is, and he always will be. He's unmoved, unchanged, undefeated, and never undone. He was bruised and brought me healing. He was pierced and eased my pain. He was persecuted for my freedom. He was dead so that I might live. He was raised to give me power. Woo! The world can't understand him. Armies can't defeat him, the schools can't explain him, and leaders can't ignore him. Herod couldn't kill him, the Pharisees couldn't confuse him, and the people couldn't hold him. 
Nero couldn't crush him Hitler couldn't silence him and this culture cannot replace him and talk show hosts can't explain him away his way is right his word is eternal his will is unchanging and his mind is on me he is my redeemer he is my savior he is my God he is my peace he is my joy He's my comfort. He's my Lord. I serve him because his bond is love. His burden is light and his goal for me is abundant life. I follow him because he is the wisdom of the wise. He is the power of the powerful. He's the ancient of days, the ruler of rulers. Man, I'm glad to be at church today. It wasn't too bad of a week. I may not have had as bad a week as you had, but I'm glad to be here this morning because I've got an opportunity to testify that I'm happy. I'm blessed. Oh, come on, praise him right now. Hallelujah. He's the overseer of all the overcomers. The sovereign Lord of all that was and is and is to come. And if that seems impressive to you, try this on for size. His goal is a relationship with you. He will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He'll never mislead you. He'll never forget you. He'll never overlook you and never cancel cancel his appointment in his appointment book. When I fall, he lifts me up. When I confess, he forgives. When I'm weak, he is strong. When I'm lost, he is the way. When I'm afraid, he is my courage. When I stumble, he steadies me. When I'm hurt, he heals me. When I'm broken, he mends me. When I'm blind, he leads me. And when I'm hungry, he feeds me. When I face trials, he's with me. When I face persecution, he shields me. When I face problems, he comforts me. When I face loss, he provides for me. And when I face death, he's going to carry me home. He's my everything. And he's everything for everybody, everywhere, every time, and every way. He's God, he's faithful. I'm his and he is mine. God is in control. I'm on his side. And that means he's on my side. And that means all is well with my soul. For if God be for me, if God is for me, stand up and worship God I know you feel like doing it I know there's something in you that says you know I ought to just praise God for a little while come on right now stand up on your feet Uh, uh, Lord in the name of Jesus baptize this church with great faith Hallelujah. I I felt the Holy Ghost say to me today, you need to preach encouraging to my people. You need to preach that cloak off of them today. I've made my best effort. The Holy Ghost led me to a couple of verses in Psalms 126. And this, in the final moments here, the Lord said, say this to my people. So I'm going to say it. Psalms 126 verse 4. This is our prayer. This is what we pray. Verse 4. Turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. Don't go any further. Verse 4. Turn again our captivity. Lord, we're bound and we need to be released. Lord, turn our captivity. We're discouraged. We're down. Our shoulders are bent. The weight is heavy. Anybody here today? 
just living life. And it feels like the more you try to you try to stand, it just seems like the weight gets heavier. The psalmist says, our prayer was turn our captivity, O Lord. Lord, let it be like streams in the south or when it rains and you get refreshed. Lord, we need you to turn our captivity. You know what the Lord did? Look at verse five. Turn our captivity. Look at what the Lord says. Oh, I know you want to get out of it. But I want to tell you, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weeping, bearing precious seed. Hey, don't you ever doubt. You're going to come again. You're going to come again with rejoicing. Come on, your sorrow is going to be turned to joy. Come on, your weeping is going to be turned. God is going to give you laughter for your tears. Anybody believe that today? Brother Gene, I There have been times that the tears have been like rivers. And some would say, why do I have to cry so much? Well, I don't know about you, but I think I'll come to the altar today and I'll sow some more tears. (laughs) Knowing that if I sow in tears, it's the Lord's word. Don't you ever doubt it. You're going to come with rejoicing in proportion to what you sowed. Now, now wait a minute. Now your faith has to be activated. You have to go beyond your situation now to understand what the Lord is saying here in Psalms 126. Uh, I'm not sure if that field just to the north of us is in corn or in beans. That tells you how much I've noticed. Is it in beans? Beans. Okay, let's use beans then. So when you leave, you can see all those bean bushes. When that planter goes through the field, planting that seed, everybody say that seed. There, there's one that goes in the ground, maybe two. Maybe, maybe the planter not being calibrated or whatever. There may be a few more dumped in there. But listen, when that, that's right. When that seed comes up and that bean plant starts to mature, have you seen how many beans are on that plant? Can you imagine one grain of corn going into the ground and then when that stalk rises up and you pull that ear off, peel that covering or that, that, that silk, that corn, pull all that stuff off of there and look at how many kernels are on Sanders. Look at how many kernels of corn are on that ear. One ear, one kernel put in the ground turns into a hundredfold return. I want to tell you right now. My Bible tells me that God catches the tears of his saints. They are bottled up. Come on. So every tear is going to be a hundredfold rejoicing. No, you're not. No, I'm not praising Him because I feel like it. I'm planting seed today. I'm planting seed. There's going to be a revival. There's going to be a joy. There's going to be a rejoicing. So I'm going to bear my seed. I'm going to bear the burden. I'm going to go forth weeping with precious seed. He that goeth forth weeping, bearing precious seed. How many ever read that verse? Yeah, you'll hear that in outreach services, mission services, and they liken it to us going out into the harvest. We're bearing precious. But I want to say something to you today. The seed, Jesus told us, 
The seed is the word of God. He See, to even walk back into this pulpit, I have the seed in my heart that says God is a savior. That seed is there. It's his word. He says, I cannot fail. I am a, I'm a savior. I can't tell you how many times I had to go forth weeping bearing a precious seed come on God told you he's going to be your healer but you had to go to the doctor you had to take medicine you didn't understand why you went through it and you weep and you're concerned but he that goeth forth weeping I got a seed shall doubtless come again rejoicing. And that seed is going to turn into sheaves. I want to tell you, some, some of you standing here today, God gave you a promise. You are bearing precious seed. Don't ever get to the place where the promise of God becomes a thorn or a hindrance. And you say, well, I just don't understand because I've got this word, but everything I'm going through doesn't match this word. Hey, verse six says, just keep on going. Even though you go weeping, I don't understand. I don't know why I'm going through it. But I got a promise in my heart, preacher. I got a word from God. So when we come to church, yes, we've got a right to worship God. Why? Because our faith says, though I sow in tears, I'm going to reap in joy. So if all you can do today is stumble up to this altar and shed a few more tears, don't you ever forget your sorrow's about to be turned to rejoicing. Yes, yes, somebody hear the word of the Lord today. Come on, this altar's open. Anybody want to come? Anybody want to come with precious seed? Preacher, I got a promise today, and I'm going to come and worship. I'm going to come and believe. Come on, don't stop worshiping just because you're coming to the altar. Come on, don't stop. Don't stop. Let there be a yes in your heart.